Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. How do we survive this? Are we gonna are we gonna have a, a, a NCAA legislation on this to stop this? You can't. I mean, I, he was still employed by the Big Ten. Somehow he must have talked to the Bears. SI's Russ Dillinger. It it was up and down. I think there's probably, honestly, there's probably a lot of people in college athletics that are not unhappy with Kevin Warren leaving college athletics. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I right, welcome to the pod. Uh, we're in a uh, much more controlled situation from the last pod. <laughs> uh, somebody, a certain athletic director, not to be named, uh, came up to me at, here in a, I'm in San Antonio at the NCAA convention, and he said, I haven't finished the post-championship pod. And I said, why? And he said, well... Y'all were losing it there about halfway through. And I'm like, yeah, we were, we were, uh, we that were losing the good it from part. the start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the part you want to hear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, Pat's not here today. He's got some other duties to handle, mainly family. Uh, all good. So it's just Ross and I. I did have one message. Someone said, "Do you would you drink your bourbon neat or on the rocks?" And uh, I thought you'd do both. Uh, I do do both. It kind of depends on the mood, and it depends on the kind of bourbon. The lower class, yeah. the more Rocks. the more lower yeah. class the bourbon, the more I need ice with it. The uh, more higher class bourbon, the better to to sip and eat. There, there you go. Pretty standard behavior. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, although you know the 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 uh, I know Julian Van Winkle, and he recommends it with some ice and a little twist of lemon. Oh, lemon. Interesting. Sometimes I have mine with lime, but uh, you'll put a little twist of lemon and rub the twist on the uh, edge of the glass. The but he says put ice in it. Hmm. So that's uh, Van Winkle, Poppy Van Winkle. Uh, he would know best. Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty good expert. So that's how he does it. So who am I to argue? But uh, yeah, okay. So you know, we're you know, it, it was it was the end of the year. It was it was a late night. It was it was strong. Hello, Granny. <laughs> but you're at the convention. Oh, uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, the new president spoke, Charlie Baker, did not seem to make much of a headline. Anything happening down there with that? We have a new president. I, I My view is this is a politician who needed a job and he got a, got a cakewalk of one. Well, Pat and I sat down with him in an uh, off-the-record capacity on Wednesday morning. And, you know, just because it's off the record, keep the conversation private. But I can just say that it was that I was impressed. I think we both came away pretty impressed, really engaging, kind of outgoing guy, authentic, talked a lot about not a lot about issues and serious stuff, but just talked, you know, got to know each other kind of thing. I think both Pat and I were pretty blown away. It was supposed to be 30 minutes. It ended up being over an hour with him. You know, just typical politician in a way, though, right? Looks you in the eye. He's your only focus. You know, I was walking through the halls Thursday, so a day after, and he's met with a ton of people, right? And he remembered, he remembered who, who he remembered where I was or where I was from and who I was. Typical, right? Politician. Oh, but these are move. things that we haven't seen from the current leadership of the NCAA. 
We don't see those things. And so it's a good early sign, but obviously it's an early sign. And he's a huge college sports fan. That was made readily obvious to us when we sat down with him. Huge Boston Celtics fan. Patriots, huge Patriots fan. You know, I asked him about Tom Brady. Huge Tom Brady fan still. So he's a big sports fan, big into it. He had super you know, really interested in this job, really interested in preserving college sports in some way, uh, any way that he can. Um, he's going to try to do that, I, I think. But it's obviously a tall task. And I don't exactly know what the job is and what lies ahead. But early impressions from not just us, but plenty of people here are uh, are good. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, look, generally uh, it takes some accomplish to become a governor. So... <laughs> Not, well, more uh, so in a governor in a, a Republican governor in a Democratic state with an over seventy percent approval rating, it's quite it's quite yeah. stunning. Yeah, yeah, it's certain stuff. I look at this thing, and and um, when you're a governor, I mean, I, I I get it's a hard job. It's gonna be hard to build a consensus. They're gonna give stuff. It, to me, it's so, so, sort of low stakes when you're comparing to being a governor. Like they're gonna play these games somehow. Uh, you know, I'm obviously not in the f- sky is falling crowd or worrying about all this stuff. Like when you're the governor, it's like, is, is you know, Governor Massachusetts, is the is the T running on time or, or, you know, what happens when, when there's a pandemic? What do I shut down? What do I do? Education? What if there's this disaster? Like, there's a lot of <laughs> some real stuff going on here. It's like, you know, are we going to let a guy transfer a second time with or without oversight you know, yeah okay seems like <laughs> seems like we'll carry on whatever well, they come up with the yeah. world will will awaken tomorrow morning you know so right. i think he's like i think i bet he's looking at it like this ain't gonna be that bad like even if i lose what i'm we're trying to do we don't really lose right and you know sometimes i think that college and i'm the victim of this too like college sports people college football people are in a bubble Right. This they're just kind of in this bubble and all of these issues are like, oh, my gosh, you know, how are we going to serve? How are we going to survive? How is the game going to survive? And we're we're just trapped in this bubble when people outside the bubble come in and hear about these things like him, like politicians or judges who rule on cases. And they're like, what like what is this? You know, or or outsiders, commissioners who are outsiders who come in. Like the George Klavkoffs and Brett Yarmork, Yormorks and even Kevin Warren, they've come into college sports and it's head scratching to them. Like you guys, these these aren't that big of issues. They seem like they can be simplified, but we do. We're trapped kind of kind of in this in this college sports bubble, uh, if you will. But yeah, he's he's got he had bigger problems, I'm sure, in his eight years in uh, as the Massachusetts governor. And he, by the way, he doesn't. You know, so Emmert, Mark Emmert in in him, the new Charlie Baker, the new president, and Linda, Linda Livingstone, which is the chair of the, the Board of Governors, I believe, they all kind of gave the main address today at the NCAA convention because Charlie does not start officially until March 1. Uh, so Emmert will go another month and a half. But Linda, in a lot of ways, have... Linda Livingstone Stone is the Baylor president and, like I said, the chair of the Board of Governors. She's been running a lot as well. So we got about a month and a half before Charlie really takes over. But already talking to his NCA staff, man, it's already it's already changed somewhat. I'll give you a little example. The NCAA, well, first of all, allowed us to sit down with him, a few reporters to sit down with him. That that was unusual. We didn't get that uh, with the last president a whole lot. And the NCAA communications people did a happy hour for media on Wednesday. And that Whoa. definitely has not happened before under Mark Emmert's regime. So changes already we're seeing. Wow. So they, they did they take one of these $5,000 fines from one of the cases? <laughs> Maybe and, so. And, and yeah, is this it? Could this be, yeah, the five grand fine, spend it on the media. I like that. There you go. Wow, oh, happy that. hour. I should have gone. Had I known that, <laughs> I might have shown up at that thing. Yeah. All right. So so speaking of uh, outsider commissioners, uh, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, hmm. three and a half year stint. Uh, he comes in from the Minnesota Vikings. And this was one eventful three and a half years. But he has uh, hit the transfer portal. 
there was, uh, uh, you know, must have been some uh, tampering. Uh, he's looking for a good NIL deal. He's headed back to the NFL. Chicago Bears. Funny how that works. Somebody seeking a better opportunity. Potentially more money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Yep. It's absolutely outrageous. We need guardrails to stop this kind of behavior from Kevin Warren. These commissioners just leaving. You're like off that. and rolling. Sure. He's off and rolling, people. Okay. How, how, do, how do we survive this? <laughs> are we going to have an a, a NCAA legislation on this to stop this? You can't. I mean, I, he was still employed by the Big Ten. Somehow he must have talked to the Bears. What happened? How'd that yeah. work? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, no, he, uh, he's gone. Three and a half year run for Warren. He shows up. I remember people being like, well, it's going to take a while for him to get going and figure it out. I, let's, let's run through the greatest hits and not hits. August 2020, all five conferences were going to like walk in lockstep and cancel their season or play together. Seemed to be the, the mood. Big Ten decides, hell no. They pull the plug on the season for COVID. Nobody else follows other than the Pac-12. The other league schools say, no, we're playing. Then the Big Ten has to reverse. It was highly humiliating and very controversial. And then everyone said, well, that's it for Kevin Warren. He's not doing a very good job. Fans wanted him fired. By 2021, he creates the alliance he, in, in response to the SEC taking Oklahoma and Texas as expansion candidates, two teams that every conference in America would gladly have taken. The Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 respond with a little hissy fit and form this nebulous alliance, handshake agreement, no guardrails on that one. They are going to form a voting block, and pretty much the only voting block they did was they blew up the playoff for a while. Then comes 2022, and uh, tampering, transfer portal, NIL deals, all of it. Kevin Warren blows up the handshake deal and uh, poaches UCLA and USC from the Pac-12 so he can sign an even richer media rights deal for the Big Ten, uh, dramatically changing college sports. And now he's gone, just like that. That's a lot going on in three and a half years. It is. It was a busy three and a half years, and he kind of had the unfortunate timing, right, of, of taking over his first few months on the job uh, was the pandemic. And that was unfortunate for him, and I think a lot of people would probably have said that the decision, that his decision, although it wasn't completely wasn't his decision, really all his, yeah, yeah, I think uh, the 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 group of Big Ten presidents are the ones that you know he works for them, and that you know they shut down, canceled football, and uh, that was something that, as you said, was just uh, it was up and down. You know his his tenure kind of started on a very low, right, um, with the pandemic and the shutdown and all that stuff, and maybe his managing style that kind of rubbed some athletic directors in such the wrong way. It started on the low, and then, you know, it kept climbing and then probably hit its peak when he he helped lead the expansion uh, of USC and UCLA and then signed, right, a, a billion-dollar-a-year uh, yeah. TV contract that is the richest— ever signed in, in college sports history. So it, it was up and down. I think there's probably, honestly, there's probably a lot of people in college athletics that are not unhappy with Kevin Warren leaving college athletics. I think there's probably a lot of people in a lot of commissioners, a lot of people in the CFP commissioner room, mainly based on the, as you mentioned, the alliance and the negotiations over CFP playoff, expanded playoff that are not, not unhappy. To, to see him leave. You know, I, and I think there's some ADs specifically in his league, not unhappy to see him leave. I think there was frustration with Kevin Warren in college athletics, with college athletics uh, from his his vantage point. He was a professional pro guy. I think like a lot of people, like we said earlier, gets into college athletics and kind of says, what, what? It operates this way? Why? W you know, where is the 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 contracts and the regulation and where is the one commissioner leadership uh, what, in in college athletics doesn't have any of that and I think that frustrated him a lot and it was probably a big reason why he wanted to get back to professional sports and this is no you know surprise obviously ESPN reported about it a couple of weeks ago that this was probably coming but even before that you know he has had a few interviews with uh, pro pro teams over the last probably 
year-ish. But he was under contract with the Big Ten. So we know they wouldn't they wouldn't tamper like that. Speaking of speaking of his contract, right? He's 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 entering in the fourth year. He was entering mm-hmm. in the fourth year of a five year contract. Had not been extended. Something to note. Oh, maybe he was out. Maybe I don't know how the Big Ten could get rid of. I mean, he 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 made them rich. Yeah, it was going to be hard. It was going to be hard to to not I mean, I, renew him. I, but I, the fact that they Kevin, haven't, you know, yeah, I found Kevin Warren uh, to be. He was like a, a a mirror up to the to the whole operation. I mean, he was it was just straight cutthroat business, but he didn't have all the he didn't always play the BS. Uh, he would he would repeat some of the the stupid talking points, but like yeah, you you're, you wait you, these suckers are just gonna go in on a handshake deal, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, handshake. Uh, we see what handshake happened there, right? He um, a year into the handshake or eleven months into the handshake deal, he take he took. Uh, and yeah. alliance members, uh, teams. You know, one thing I'll say, too, I think a lot of Big Ten people feel this way, the Big Ten should have never been a part of this alliance. They were the last team, last last league that needed to join some kind of alliance. It should have never happened in, in the fact that, you know, they took two teams from another alliance member should tell you that they never should have been a part of the alliance. Well, yeah, but that, like, might have... Drop their guard. I mean, it probably didn't yeah. matter. They could have gotten yeah. him any point, but whatever tactic he used, clearly the goal for the Big Ten was to max out the money and green as much power as possible. And they did that in twofold way. One was by adding the value of Los Angeles and creating X number of of mar- more marquee games, particularly with USC and and potentially with UCLA. But it was also by weakening the Pac-12 and leaving the conferences that were bidding to not really have a plan B and say, well, if I don't get the Big Ten, the Pac-12 is a suitable secondary option. Because once you took USC and UCLA out, they were a weakened competitor. So now the Big Ten became the only option. Mm. The SEC was already wrapped up with CBS. I mean, with ESPN, my bad. So it was very, very cutthroat. I don't know whether they could have kept USC and UCLA anyway, but if it got the Pac-12 to fall for the okey-doke, whatever tactic it was, that was it. Now, yeah, fans, I can certainly mount the argument. I don't know if I believe it, but there's certainly a fair counter-argument of like, how is this all going to work? What did we just do to our league? This is unfair to the to some of the other sports, all sorts of stuff. Is this really a good for for the Big Ten to have this L.A. outpost other than money. You know, like if you're a fan, you're not getting the money. You know, so, you know, who cares, right? You know, is this a good thing? But Kevin Warren and, and the, didn't care, and it's obviously he's working at the behest of his presidents. But in terms of what he was assigned to do, he did it, and he mm-hmm. just wrecking balled everybody. And we wanted to, wanted to do ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but wanted to, yeah. wanted to throw another wrecking ball, right? I mean, he wanted to keep going. Yeah, keep going. He would have kept wrecking ball on everybody. He didn't care who he double-crossed. He didn't care if he sat there and said, hey, why are these guys not going for this playoff? Wait, they're going to fall for that? The playoff would actually strengthen those leagues, maybe make it harder for me to get these leagues. So let's let's table it. And they went with it. If they think we're friends and we're going to have a – a scheduling thing. Maybe they're not paying quite as much. Whatever it was, he just came in and said, this is the business. I'm done. And I can certainly understand the hurt feelings by everybody else. But so, you know, like I get it. But at the same time, he did everything he was supposed to do for the Big Ten. And now he's gone and he's hoping one day becomes commissioner of the NFL. And if at the very least, he's running the Chicago Bears. But I mean, that was an unbelievable three years of impact that will last 50 Oh, for sure. One of the things I wonder, we're talking about the conference realignment. You know, he was pushing really hard to continue to expand. Even the things publicly he, he'd say about the door's not closed. You know, in five years, things are still going to be moving. He, he gave clues that he is not, he was not done with the expansion portion. And there were a lot of, I think, probably reports that are going to prove to be inaccurate that they were you know, in the middle of negotiations to add a couple Pac-12 teams and all this stuff. But there was real pushback against that. 
in the room of, of PAC or Big Ten athletic directors and right. the presidents. I don't know that he had everybody on board with continuing to expand. And he was, but he was the big one that wanted to do it and, and at least publicly kind of gave clues that it was him that was behind it and wanted to do it. And now with, with him being gone, you wonder if there is some stability coming a little more. The Pac-12 gets their TV rights deal done. You do wonder if, um, well, maybe there's a little stability here since uh, he's going to be moving on and he was the one kind of pushing it. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it has to make financial sense. And we've discussed this, obviously, a lot in the last offseason. It, it just doesn't seem like Oregon, Washington add uh, enough value to make it worthwhile. Then, yeah, if you're a lot of these teams, you go, 16's an awful lot already, man. We got we're we're already big, but really, really interesting tenure. It's uh, some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it's just different. Who knows? Who knows what's coming? But that was an absolute decisive and divisive uh, character that barreled through, yeah, and um, just didn't really care. Upended the supposed congeniality uh, of college athletics. I mean, it's not like he was the first one to. Uh, to do conference realignment or, or or lie or double cross or anything like that. But I think he was pretty effective for the Big Ten in a, in a in a ruthless manner. So whatever they paid him, I'm sure it was pretty good. He earned it. He certainly did not have ulterior motives, right? Like, you know, you always Delaney was always going to protect the Bulls, and it it didn't make sense to what they were trying to do when Jim Delaney was running the Big Ten. Made sense when he became a consultant for the Bulls right after. But it didn't always make sense. But Kevin Warren just was like, yeah, we're going to get this done. And I, I don't know if it was, maybe it wasn't all part of a master plan, but if it was, it was a pretty good one. Well, I think part of the, if there was a master plan, and you said it earlier, right? I mean, Kevin has aspirations, right? To potentially be, you know, he hasn't said this publicly, but privately enough people have told me and, and obviously have shared it with you too, right? That he would like to preside over the NFL and be the NFL commissioner. It's starting to get out more and more that like that's his goal. So he was going to do all he could for the Big Ten for the because that's his job, obviously, but also because like any of us who have aspirations to move up in the world, he's gonna he's gonna pad that resume. And right. boy, did he! Right? I mean, he he can say that he helped craft the most lucrative television deal in the history of college sports and potentially, arguably, the biggest addition to yeah, a league. He, he made a, a, a surgical expansion and and then landed the biggest deal of all time. And I, I, I don't know that if he wasn't like, hey, I'm going to be here five years. I'm getting stuff done now. I'm not, I'm not here for the long haul. I'm not letting it play out. Like, college sports likes to go real slow, right? Hmm. And... This goes to like, I get why they're doing it because they really don't have enough time, but like the ID and they have the contracts, but it's like almost everybody you talk to in college athletics, like our, our quarterfinals in the 12 team playoff have to be on campus. Like a lot of people are like, that's where it's going to end up. Just might not be this cycle, right? Like that's how college sports does stuff. And it's like, well, why? If something's better idea, why, like in business, you don't sit around and go, <laughs> we've got a great idea for a car model or a new I, the iPhone, but we're going to keep building these other phones for a little while and it will wait on the I. No, you like get that thing to market, right? You get your best product to market. And so he just was like, bang, we're going to get this done and this done. And then I'm out of here. I'm going back to the league and then I'm going to try to get that job. I'm 59 years old, so. I don't know. Again, I don't know if it was all planned or not, but you could certainly make the case it was. But he's, he's he will have a massive impact, and he doesn't have to worry about like, you know what? Maybe adding California schools wasn't a good idea. You know, I don't know if that's really going to be the case, but he doesn't really have to worry about all that. Or how are you going to work with these guys in the future when no one trusts you? Eh, not here. Yeah, he he he. Like I said earlier, it was a real kind of struggle for him to deal with the slowness and the archaic nature of college athletics. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. 
Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, my favorite current recruiting story. <laughs> Jaden Rashada, the quarterback, five-star by some, four-star, very good, highly rated quarterback from Pittsburgh, California. Was originally supposed to go to Miami. Then he was going to sign or did sign with Florida. Did he sign his letter? I think he did sign his letter. He did. Now he's trying to back out of that letter reportedly due to, you, you'll know the story better, but NIL concerns, rumors are flying. Uh, people are in up in arms. It'd be a huge loss for Florida, which desperately needs them. Everyone's blaming everything NIL. You know, this is the first time a recruit has ever flipped in the history of college football. So I can understand why it's a real problem. <laughs> um, this type of stuff's never happened. We need to overhaul everything because one kid doesn't want to go to Florida, or maybe he does. What's the latest with Jaden Rashada? This is a this is a juicy little Florida recruiting uh, battle going down. It is. You know, I kind of kept waiting for one of these to become public. Uh, there's been some trickling out of things where a collective hasn't paid or whatever until a player gets in the portal or whatnot. But but most of those things have been kept pretty tight in private. So I was kind of waiting for one to become public. And we're at the – we're you know, it's happened, right? Jaden Rashada, let's go through the whole timeline. He um, he committed to Miami, got an NIL deal with Miami. Then he decommitted and got an NIL deal with committed in, to Florida. So decommitted from Miami, committed to Florida, got an NIL deal with the Gators in the Gator Collective, signed a contract with the Gator Collective that multiple people have said, and now it's been reported, I think, in the, I believe, the Orlando Sentinel and information that I've heard from sources confirm it it was a 13 supposed to be a 13 million dollar contract that he signed with the gator collective i think the collective thought that they had the backing of some boosters to get get that money to Jaden rashada and it seemed like they did not in the long run and a termination letter was sent from the gator collective to rashada before signing day, actually terminating the deal because they did not have the money uh, to pay him. Gators can't pay their bills. <laughs> he still signed with Florida, which is a baffling part of this story. I don't understand that part of it. He signed with Florida, deal didn't come through, and now he wants out of his letter of intent, which I firmly believe Florida is going to let him out of his letter of intent. However... Despite the on three story uh, that posted on Wednesday, he has not requested as of 6 p.m. on Thursday night. He has not requested to be let out of his letter of intent. I think that might be coming, but it hasn't come yet. And I do expect Florida to let him out. But, you know, also, you know, Jaden Rashad, like a lot of recruits, he's he's been involved, too, in, in uh, some interviews with the NCAA. The NCAA's been prying into a lot of different schools and recruits about NIL-related infractions, uh, you might say. And so there's a lot going on there. And I, by the way, I think we're going to see over the next few weeks, months, there's going to be some announcement of penalties and things like that for violations of, of NIL stuff. The NCAA is is digging into all that. And I think this Florida issue is going to be right at the heart of it. So this is the first kind of public one that we've seen, a public big high-profile one that we've seen where a collective you know, didn't pay up. And um, I'd imagine we have dozens and dozens of these, and uh, we probably will. So is, is this a contract forward. holdout? Is this a contract holdout where he's either going to get the money or he's going to get some part of the money? I don't think he's going to get any of the money. $13 million like. for this guy? Thirteen million was the yeah. number on the, but, on they the contract. but it was fake money. Yeah, uh, yes, was like, they're running yes. a Ponzi or something. For whatever collective. reason, there was an issue with uh, yeah communication issue that boosters weren't <laughs> boosters or a booster. Yeah, was uh, 
not in the ends, not wanting to pay that much. Yeah, I, I well, there was at least somebody smart in this whole thing. There's a lot you of incompetence. Pay millions, in you're going to raise yeah. thirteen million dollars to pay some the fifty sixth yeah. best player in the country from mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, California. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see where that fell down. Yeah, these things are definitely going to happen. And it doesn't doesn't uh, worry me at all. I have concerns over any kid that's just like if I'm if I'm a coach trying to build a program, like how loyal is this kid? What like you know, I, I'm all for the guys getting the money, but when you're if 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 this is why someone is coming, then it's easier for them to leave, right? So it's sort of a buyer beware situation when guys are flipping, or it's you know if you th- if you, if you can get them on a pr- somehow on a promise of money. But, you, you know, I mean, that's an enormous amount of money for someone to deliver. And obviously that was over, like, what, five years or something? Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. And, and there was a signing bonus involved that we, we had heard, and he didn't get he didn't get that either. So a lot of broken promises. <laughs> what is know, going on? Again, what is going yeah. on in Gainesville? They collecting mm. cans? They clipping coupons? Well, I think, I think we're going to see probably a change with some of how the – collectives in Gainesville run or who's running them, it sounds like there's going to be probably some changes after this incident. I, I, I was talking to someone who's at a very wealthy school and their collective, they think, is up to a pledged $7 million. I, I, I just, But then they don't know that like it's all going to come through. Is What happens the next year? Like I can see these a lot of these guys throwing promises out that no one's going to be able to keep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not an NFL owner that has you know four billion dollars and the hell they want to pay it, but right, but they have it. This is like a collective that has the promise of donations every year and hope they have that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, college athletics lives uh, athletic departments live on the donations from boosters and often donations from boosters are start out as pledges and sometimes those pledges don't turn into actual cash donations for whatever reason and i think we're think this is one of those example of that and i think again at several places i think this has happened over the last year and it's just been kept a little privately or it hasn't been hasn't happened to such a high profile recruit or player and, and yeah. now we're seeing we're seeing it. We're just we're seeing um, what's probably going to continue to happen. And you know what? I'll say this: there's a lot of big time college athletic executive types who love this story because they want the chaos to get Congress's attention. Yeah, and, and so they're drumming it up as chaos. But like, what's the chaos? Well, I yeah, no, I mean, I get they, I get point, what they're trying right? to do, and this is panic. Right. This is the end of the world, right? They're, One they're, kid isn't going to a school, but you know what he'll do next year? He'll go to another school, right? Right. Well, I think there, from their vantage point, it is up. The kid was promised this, signed a contract, and got duped that's wrong and shouldn't happen. And we need rules to prevent something like that from happening. Well, if it's a real contract, you can sue them. Well, that's probably not. Well, that may happen and we haven't seen yeah. that yet, but that's coming. I mean, that that's going to be the, the next thing. I mean, that, I don't know if it happens in this case, but that that's going to be the next thing. We're going to see a kid and his family sue a collective and maybe even a school. It's, it's right. For it's the promise the of this contract, yeah. but is what's the contract say? And that'll be really interesting. But there we have a system for that. It's called the civil courts. <laughs> I just, I mean, I look at it like, okay, this is a wild story. And like, if you're, if you're Florida, I mean, you're desperate for a quarterback, particularly right now, and you're trying to gain recruiting member, it's a blow to your program, undoubtedly. And you're frustrated. Mm-hmm. But like I said, people have been flipping recruits or not showing up or whatever uh, forever, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It happens. But in terms of the need for the like United States government to weigh in, it's not like the kid won't play. He will go to a different school right. and right. play football. He'll probably make some money. Yeah. And this is a lesson, too, for should be a lesson for everybody, but certainly for other players to, hey, like uh, if the number is too big to be true, <laughs> it's exactly. probably too big to be true. Thirteen right. million dollars for a seventeen-year-old is probably too big to be true. 
Right. It's pretty wild. Pretty wild story. But yeah, like I, where Florida's got like I mean, you know, just that's just an enormous amount of money on, on this guy. And so yeah, it's it's blowing up. I don't know, but it's a semi holdup. I don't know. We're gonna see where he ends up. Where do you think he ends up? I don't think he ends up at Florida or Miami. So right. um, it'll be yeah. I, I don't know. There's some someone's gonna um, get him late on the bounce. Yeah. Right. Right, and I'm I'm sure wherever he ends up, I mean, he's super talented. I don't know, but but I'd expect that uh, within the next day, maybe by the time this podcast is out, or by the time you listen to it, it probably will have been resolved. And I I just it would be a it would be a pretty big shock to me if he does end up at Florida. I, I think that, right. that they have a a letter. I think he'll they're on their way to to letting him out of his. Or he's on his way to at least requesting it and letting him out. It sounds like the family, as of Thursday night, is kind of talking and discussing their options. Be hard to go to a school. And this is something like you got to control your collective. It's like someone's promising thirteen million, and all of a sudden it's like that money's not coming in. You lose the recruit because like your boosters overpromised. Because even if he got six million, let's say. Like, well, we can't do 13. How about 6 million, which would be more than anyone else is paying you or something like that. It'd still be like, man, like I was supposed to get that. Like, it's just hard feeling. So, so Florida needs a quarterback. And uh, interestingly, and this was kind of a surprise, but LSU freshman Walker Howard, who I think would be able to redshirt. I don't think he played much at all this year, but he was a top 50 recruit last year. His dad was a, a quarterback at. Uh, Jamie Howard was his quarterback at uh, at LSU. I don't think people really saw him leaving, but guys want to play, right? And uh, he didn't get to play this year. They brought in Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. He could be headed to Florida. He has hit the the transfer portal. I think someone named Walker Howard, when they hit the transfer portal, they should come out with their name, Howard Walker. I think it should, like, <laughs> I think it should get washed around in there. No, TCU and Florida seem like the potential landing spots for that one. How big of a shock was that to the LSU program when Walker Howard took off? Yeah, pretty surprising. Legacy kind of player, like you mentioned, Jamie Howard played at LSU. Still, you know, Jamie was pretty has been pretty involved with with LSU. He still lives in Louisiana. It was definitely definitely surprising. You know, and it probably says a lot about the the talent there in the quarterback room at LSU. You know, Jaden Daniels is coming back, and Garrett Nussmeyer is behind him and has looked pretty good at times. So I think it's it's you know, this is a product of, of playing time, and in years past, you you know uh, Walker Howard would have had to sit for a year, maybe two, maybe three before getting a shot, kind of like Miles Brennan, former LSU quarterback, who sat for like four years basically before getting a starting season. Now you're you don't have to do that anymore, and you probably never should have had to do that, and you're you're free reign to go elsewhere. I, I did see I think a, a rivals report that was like you know. 99% chance that he ends up at TCU. But oh, you think it's going to be TCU. All right. That may have changed because I saw some amid, Florida, but yeah. Yeah. Amid all this, TCU has just lost their offensive coordinator. So I don't know how that, how that impacts. That's right. Now uh, he could be going, for, he could be transfer yeah. portaling to Clemson. He's, uh, I think he is. Yeah. I think he's transfer portaling. So in Clemson is uh, by Friday afternoon, I think it'll be released. That Clemson's hiring Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator at TCU, Lincoln's brother, who helped lead the Frogs to the national championship game. I'm guessing it's quite the bag that he is getting from the Tigers. Uh, so, Dan, there you go. You know, it's coach is on the move rails. in the portal. Yeah. There you yeah. go. I don't, I don't want to keep saying it, but I just thought, yeah. So the commissioners, the big, coaches, players, <laughs> it's all good. It'll work out. The big thing about this move is – Dabo Sweeney fired someone, and that yeah. doesn't happen very often. He fired Brandon Streeter, who went to Clemson, uh, has been on staff for a while. Dabo promoted um, him multiple times and elevated him to offensive coordinator after Tony Elliott left and then fired him after a year. That does not happen very often with Dabo. So I think that this is probably a product of Clemson's record the last couple of years. You know, not making the CFP, struggling at times offensively, struggling at times at the quarterback position. It's also a combination. Part of the deal is you're able to get 
you know, Garrett Riley. You're able to get a guy who impressed a lot of people over the last few years, especially last season. So interesting move, certainly. And TCU is now looking for an offensive coordinator. And, uh, yeah, that could definitely impact, you know, the transfer decision of uh, a one Walker Howard. Uh, yeah, and then you're still going to have the Georgia QB battle with Carson Beck, Brock Vander uh, Griff, and Gunnar Stockton. I'm all three of them aren't going to be back. Like we still have another wave of like the post. Like mm-hmm. all three of those guys are going to fight for Stetson Bennett's job, right? In the spring, mm-hmm. uh, Beck's got the inside track. Obviously, he was the one who was playing at the end of the national championship game. But I mean, Vander Griff and, and Gunnar Stockton are both like really highly ranked recruits. Like to me, this is just, it'll continue to spread out talent. Like, yeah, that's yeah. not going to stock. You're just not going to stock these guys uh, on, uh, on, on teams anymore. No one's waiting. Right. We're going to go somewhere to play and you know, Hey, whatever. So you got, you got all that, but to go to Clemson, maybe most notably too, about this with not only did, did Dabo fire somebody from, the family, right? But he's going to go outside the family to bring in a new, a new voice, a new concept, a new vision, and all that. It's felt like, and obviously, there's been a lot of criticism that Clemson has been slow on the react as the game has changed. Right? They 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 were slow to change some of their recruiting. You know, they'd have the recruiting policy like if you commit here, you don't get to visit anywhere else. Right? That was one of their things. And no transfers. Yeah. No transfers, we right? We see him some of these, getting transfers now. Right. And I believe in my guys. I don't want them transferring out. I'm not going to bring a guy in. I'm going to develop my guy. All very noble concepts, but just not how college sports works. I mean, we were just talking about Kevin Warren on down. That isn't really how it works. So you can try it, and maybe it works when you got enough guys. You got you got Trevor Lawrence and stuff like that, Deshaun Watson, but it hasn't worked lately. But to to go that outside route, I wrote about this in a different capacity, but like it was like when Saban said, I need to get my offense as good as my defense. I have to change the perception of how Alabama's offense is viewed by elite recruits. I can't have A.J. McCarron and the Greg McElroy and stuff like that who are really good players, but I need to go better. And my receivers, yeah. I can't just have one guy. I need a whole room of them. And he went and said, I'm going to hire Lane Kiffin. And, I mean, that was, a mm-hmm. you know, it's like Lane Kiffin was a 38-year-old. He just got fired, and it's just been, it's been antics and, right, the whole thing. And he said, yeah, but this guy, this guy's innovative. And then all of a sudden, boom, the offense changes. And then all of a sudden, it's like Jalen Hurts is coming and Tua's coming and – Mac Jones and and uh, Bryce Young and and the you know the, the incredible run of receivers everything changed with Alabama but that was a great moment of Saban and one of the reasons Saban so good is he didn't wait for I think they you know that came after a two loss season but they were eleven and one or something going into the Auburn game it was two thousand after the two thousand thirteen season but this is a sign to me that that William Christopher Sweeney's at least looking and saying hey we got to do something different and this is this is a first or one of the first steps towards that. Well, and it reminds me of maybe one of the last times he fired somebody, which was the current coach of the Florida Gators. He fired Billy Napier, I think, in 2014 or 15. Uh, he was offensive coordinator also. Fired him and hired Chad Morris, which that kind of started the rise of the Clemson Tigers under Sean Watson and Chad Morris and came in with this high school offense and jazzed it up. So... That's kind of the last time we saw this happen. So you wonder if, you know, this does what what that did and enliven, bring a fresh take uh, to Clemson staff and in its offense. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see. He certainly got the quarterback talent to do it. Cole Klubnick. Cade. Obviously, Cade right? Klubnick. Cade uh, Klubnick. Yeah, Cade, yeah, Cade Klubnick. He uh, showed out pretty good in the Cade Klubnick era. Began at Clemson, and now we'll see what Garrett Riley can do with him. Yeah, now they're going to be a, it's going to be a program uh, to watch. Another bit of news: more weird, cryptic, say nothing tweets from uh, Ann Arbor tonight. Uh, yes, yes. You got to read between the lines. Like it's 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 a good time, right? <laughs> it's very college football. Very so, college football. In a, in a, just to, so, you know, Harbaugh is out here trying to get an NFL job. 
there's the specter of this NCA thing, which is all his doing. You've got this fan kind of revolt over two parts. The Harbaugh camp's done a good job getting their side out. You know, this these 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 sanctions come from meaningless events, including a hamburger, and you know, someone bought a hamburger. All true, but that's not why he's being punished. It's because he being punished because he may have lied, allegedly lied to the NCA, not cooperate. That was it, right? So it's real simple. The original crime, no, not even the NCA believes is a big deal. But they've kind of turned that into a farce, which is fine. And then that that you know the the he needed to get paid. Now he just got a new deal a year ago, so you pay him again. You know I would, but uh, you can understand why. Considering you're getting, um, hey, your guy just is on, uh, you know, lied to the NCA allegedly. The NCA saying they lied. That he's almost certainly going to get sanctioned, and we don't know whether he's going to cooperate in the future. And you just gave him a contract. Maybe you're a little slow to just say, hey, let's just hand over a checkbook. So you got all this stuff, and then all of a sudden on Thursday night, uh, the president of the school sends out a tweet. I'll, I'll just read it. It's not even need a little grammar on you know the president. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I pleased to share that I have been having very positive and constructive conversations with our athletic director and football coach, everything capitalized. Ward Manuel and I both want to see Jim Harbaugh stay as the head football coach at the University of Michigan Wolverines. Okay. <laughs> and then Harbaugh, yeah. what did Harbaugh say? He sent something back. Wait, like, he supports Harbaugh. the statement of the president. Yeah, he supports this. That was what are we this. doing? Bizarre. It's, it's so like everything's written in sports, Harbaugh grunts. Like, Harbaugh yeah. tweets <laughs> like he write, like he speaks. Uh, some grunting statements we get. Uh, so what does this I, mean? I, They're working so on a contract extension. I, I guess? think they will work on a contract. They'll, they'll yeah. get a contract. But he's what it means is Harbaugh is is more likely than not now to cooperate with this investigation and take his hit. That is how I'm reading it. If he doesn't get an NFL job. If he, if he gets the NFL job, he's probably gone. But if he doesn't get the NFL job, he's probably not going to fight to the death with the NCAA over the stupid thing. He's just going to get suspended for a couple games or whatever the hell is going to happen. And Michigan's going to pay him because he's very, very valuable employee right now. And this whole thing will, in like three years, be like, remember that weird fever dream of like two weeks when that happened? Hmm. I don't know. But, I mean, how many do you want to do this every year with the NFL? If you're Michigan, I mean, I get, I, 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 I would pay Harbaugh because he is worth the money, and you, you, if you have a coach that is worth is making it, that is is successful, pay him because you've got the money, and it's easier to find the money than it is to find a coach that can get you to back to back college football playoffs and win back to back league titles. So you've got the guy, I'd pay him. But I certainly understand where you're like, dude, we just gave every time we get a deal and every time you say I'm not leaving and then you keep looking around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So but it's like, all right, you got to get out of your feelings and just deal with it. Har is hardball. But I mean, is he going to do this again next year? And do you really want to be like, hey, Jim, here's it's like, I don't know. It's like you're begging the begging for a date here. And he's like, eh, yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know what it reminds me of. Reminds me a little bit when Nick Saban was at LSU. It's like every year he was at LSU, Nick Saban was looking to the pros. It was being courted. Right. It was, and in fact, one year he interviewed with the Bears. I remember maybe after his second year at LSU, he interviewed with the Bears. But he interviewed multiple times with multiple NFL teams. And like every year, you know, he got a contract extension in a raise from LSU because they were doing so well. But they knew what was coming. He was going to flirt with the NFL every offseason until he left. And it reminds me just like it. And, of course, he left. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know. There's a better chance now that he returns than not. And, like I said, any suspension they can work out, like, who cares? They're not playing anyone for, like, the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, it felt like 50-50. We talked about, like, his chances of going to the pro. It felt like 50-50. A couple weeks ago, but it doesn't feel like 50 50 anymore. It feels nobody's like jumped to hire him yet. Staying. It's still yeah. early, yeah. right? <laughs> nobody, as we speak, nobody in the NFL has been hired. Yeah. But it is Thursday, and and the NFL doesn't do things. It's not, it's not, it's done in a more professional manner than college athletics, which is like this cloak and dagger, right? 
Nobody actually interviewed for the job, nothing. Right. Any, you know, it's like, oh, let's let's talk to seven people. So he still could get he could get definitely get a job, but nobody hired him in the first two days, right? Or three, yep. it's been four days now. No one's hired him. So I don't know. As each day goes on, you know, maybe the chances go. It's it's a weird, it's just a weird dynamic. It's a weird dynamic, especially considering a year ago he said he wasn't going to do it. Nobody knew about these violations till like a week ago, and he should be basking in the best time going. And his a very important 2024 recruiting class that he could actually do really well at mm. if he was working on that right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I said, with all this transfer portal stuff and the more this goes on, those high school recruit, I, I don't even know if you bother recruiting anyone outside the top 250 or something anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look, yeah. look at these quarter. We just talked about all these quarterbacks. You could still get, right? Like you could yep. still get Jaden Rashada, Walker Howard, and say Brock Vandergriff are all going to be available in the next, either now or at the end end of the uh, year. Like you're going to spend like three years recruiting some high school quarterback, and you can grab one of those guys. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if Michigan is calling any of those guys, they're going to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's good to get, it's, you got to recruit them, but I don't know. I mean, tra- everyone's on the move. Everyone's on the move. Transient college, uh, college football has become, in basketball, has been probably for a while. Transient Everything's nature. one year. Yeah. Yep. The coaches move. Everyone moves one year, one year at a time. See what you got. Um, obviously, you'll get your guys, you can hope. Are, uh, are your base and you need them, but yeah, like a re- bad recruiting class doesn't matter as much as it used to. Right. I will say that um, actually here in San Antonio yesterday, Wednesday, the D1 Council, one of the things they did was approve to make the waiver process for second time transfers and third time transfers, basically multi-time transfers, was, was to make the waiver process more difficult and stricter. I think this is probably going to backfire into a bunch of lawsuits. Yeah, it just seems like they they let that. Yeah, they lost that war, right? They they cracked the door. It's hard to like keep it cracked and not it be kicked open. It's it's a multi year transfer, really, and you know because of players lawyering up and and stuff, they can do that now. And the NCAA kind of like trying to. You know, Does that apply? It, yeah, to try now, we're going to get tough on these guys. Yeah, First of all, how yeah. many of them are there? I don't know what. So a couple things here. And look, I've, I've said this all the time. I would have never allowed the automatic. I, I, I had no problem if they held the line with you have to sit out a year mm. because I did not believe that was a punitive. It's not a punishment. So I would have been fine if they did that, but they didn't. And now it's too late. Yeah. You can't and go back. Like you, Right. Can't go back. So here we are. What is the argument that the second transfer isn't fair as the first? Like the the NCA's argument of, of yeah, it's why like you can cheat on you can cheat on right. your, your your significant other once, but not the second. There's not a like, great what, argument. That's the problem. The they're going to lose any they're going to lose any court battle, right? They're going to lose to an attorney because there's not a good argument for that. And then, do grad transfers count, or do, if you graduate, you can do it still? It, it, yeah, you can graduate, you can do it. Yeah. So most I guys, right. I mean, this isn't going to be a big number, right? You wouldn't think so. General, I don't think there's a million people. And, you know, first off, after three three to four years, you're going to graduate. So you'd have to have more. I mean, you can only transfer three times in that span or twice. I mean, so you go once one year, then you transfer. Then you go another year, you transfer again, or you wait another year and you graduate. Like it's, I don't think that's going to be a big number. But I, I look at the kids who are like, I signed with, Central Michigan. I had this bang up freshman year. Wisconsin wants to get me. I go there, or Indiana wants to get me. I go there. I uh, have a, a really good season now. Alabama wants me. I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. Or I'm Alabama recruit. I'm not making this team. Uh, we, this was all wrong. I never should have come here. So I go to Indiana and I get, I'm going to try to get some playing time there. They're going to take a flyer on me because I was a, you know, high recruit and I'm not really working out here, but I can go to central Michigan. I'm going to play like that's mm. probably the motivation. I know they're like going against the idea of like, there's just some kid out there that just can't make up his mind, but like, so what? Like buyer beware. If that guy wants to leave, let right. him leave. So I, I don't agree. know where you make the argument. What was their argument for this? 
It wasn't not a, not a great one. I mean, they'll say academic stuff. They'll say like, uh, you know, it, it's uh, oh, it's going to yeah. lower GPA stuff. Uh, you know, if you let a kid, un, you know, transfer multiple times, then it's going to impact negatively impact his academic progress and, and his progress to graduation. That's probably the main thing. That's probably the main argument. Right, like nanny stating it like that. Yeah, we got to work. I mean, you know, if the kid's not happy at a place, he's not going to do well. Yeah. I mean, look, if a, if a coordinator leaves and goes, if I did that coordinator path, man, that guy had a great year as a, as a the linebacker coach at Central Michigan. They are great. I got an opportunity to go to Indiana, and I'm going to be the linebacker coach there, and then they kill it, and then Alabama says, you want to be the linebacker coach here, and you go. Yep. You go, well, that guy just didn't commit to the cause. It's going to work. His, his 401K is not going to work as well because it's rolling over too much. Like, come on, man. I, I just I don't know what the argument is. They're just like looking for stuff. They have to regulate, right? They just ha- they cannot get well, out of it. That's it. They yeah, it's a control. They, it's control. They get yeah. twitchy. They get twitchy. <laughs> Got to control something. We're gonna find that random kid, and we're gonna. That's it. You stay and, at Indiana. And and I'm in. You know, I'm gonna play like devil's advocate a little bit to my devil's say, advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's say fun. that. And say that they'll say the commissioners and athletic directors trying to control this and trying to regulate, they'll say, we're doing it for the protection of a teenager or, or early 20-something who, mm-hmm. you know, can't choose himself or can't make wise decisions himself or are impacted or influenced by, and this oh, yeah, this does happen, man. right, by agent types mm. and uncle whoever and whatever. But How much money you know. is a kid transferring three times worth? Hmm? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's 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 babysitting. It's 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 patronizing. It really is. It just is. I get it though. They can't help themselves. This is how they view the world. They're sa- supposedly saving these kids. They're not saving anybody. And I, they're just looking for somebody to to do it on. All right. One quick story before we go. Uh, this has been a serious issue. Dri- this has been a little too issue driven. Carl's Jr. You know the uh, the the hamburger chain, Carl's Jr. Hardee's in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Hardee's, yeah. Is it exactly the same? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? I believe it's exactly the same. Yep. In the South, we have Hardee's. In the whatever, Midwest. Midwest uh, is... No, North, I, think it, there's, I think it's like the West is Carl's Jr. Oh, is the I West. I didn't know they okay. were exactly the same. I knew there was some kind of like... I am almost certain. All right. Well, whatever. Carl's Jr. has um, put out a wine pairing bundle for their hamburgers. So if you want the Carl's Jr. limited time A1 double cheeseburger, they think you should open a bottle of NP Origins Pinot Noir. What? <laughs> yes, Carl's Jr. has wine. Wow. And uh, they, are, they, are, they also have a blend your happy red blend that also would go with it. Wow. So you can buy a bottle, you can buy a bundle for 62 bucks. You get the wine. And it, the offer comes with a free A1 double cheeseburger coupon with, for $1 uh, or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. But right now, through February 7th, they are trying to pair wine with their double cheeseburger. Have you ever had a fast food hamburger and said, I really feel like a nice Pinot Noir would complement <sighs> this? No, never, ever, ever. No matter how good the beef patty was. I was not craving a Pinot Noir or Merlot with my blend, uh, red blend, red blend with my with my burger yeah. or my chicken fingers or hot dog or whatever they have there. By the way, Carl's Jr. and Hardee's does share the brand. I guess I don't know if they're owned and operated by the same people. Carl's Jr. started in in L.A. Hot dog stand, yeah. by the way. That's how they started a hot dog stand, which I never really knew. Started in, and opened the first business in Anaheim. And uh, Hardee's, uh, well, it it started in North Carolina in 1960, and they they did seem to, I guess, merge. They co- they combo they merged in the 70s and 80s under the Hardee's Food System Corporation. Uh, so there you go. So it is. It's it's identical. They are. Yeah, I'm looking now. Hardee's mm-hmm. is in uh, all the states. Yeah, like Pennsylvania, there's none in the Northeast. And then they, they basically have everything until you get to Texas, like a, almost a diagonal line, like Texas, Colorado, Idaho, that bit, Carl's Jr. So this is a real Pac-12, Big Ten. This is what you see. This is really what Kevin Warren was trying to do. Yeah. 
confuse right. the fans. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know they were the same one. I don't want the wine. No, I'm not buying the $62. Uh, get two bottles of Carl's Jr. wine. I, mean, I guess they're in like Sonoma and all that, but I'm not doing it. Nope. You can get like 1040s to pair with your double cheeseburger instead. There you go. <laughs> It'll go better. There you go. Much better. <laughs> I really, really think, al- I mean, look, fast food, alcohol inspires a lot of fast food purchases, but I don't feel like alcohol goes very well with fast food. No. Well, I don't know. Like uh, a hot dog and a beer? Sounds kind of good. But that's not like fast food. That's like hot dog and a beer at the ball game type yeah. thing. Yeah, but yeah. talking like if you're at McDonald's, you're not like, man, I wish they served beer here. No, no. But if they served hot dogs, maybe I would. Like there's some hot, there's some fast food hot dog chains. Um, one of my favorites is uh, out of um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Shoot, of course I'm going to forget the name of it, but it's a fast food chain in Hattiesburg, and it's got it's known for its chili dogs. And they are um, wards, wards, W-A-R-D apostrophe S, wards. And they are freaking amazing. Of course, terrible for you. But they have these huge hot dogs lathered in chili and cheese. Give me a beer with my wards hot dog. All right. Well, if wards starts brewing, because that's true. Burger and a beer works at like a brewery. I don't know. Sure, yeah. Anyway, I I ain't touching your Carl's Jr. wine. (laughs) Now fooling me, Carl, and your little smiley star and that whole thing. I don't know who you are, Carl, but I ain't buying your one. All right, that's our show. Set a little tamer, trying to get back a little. We're trying to recalibrate a little bit. Pat will be back next week. We'll ramp it up a little bit more. Not sure what the schedule exactly will be, but next week. But that's why you should subscribe. Stick with us, and uh, we will talk to you later. <laughs>